Hey you, I'm Melanie, and you're listening to the Surrender to Thrive Podcast. Surrender to Thrive began as my journey of waking the fuck up, or as some spiritual experts may say, a peak in my spiritual awakening. After experiencing hard-hitting trauma and losses all at once, everything changed for me. I had to confront one of the biggest challenges of my life, learning to surrender. And now, I want to help you do the same. I help high-achieving women of color become emotionally resilient by learning to let go. Every week, I will hold space for intimate conversations surrounding naming and releasing unresolved feelings, emotional triggers, limiting beliefs, holistic wellness, ending toxic cycles and relationships, and so much more. I'll invite other healers of color to inspire and share their personal journeys and knowledge with you. You'll leave with practical solutions to care for your emotional body to finally let go and navigate life challenges to experience less stress and emotional stability. Yes, we're getting all in our feelings today, so let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Surrender to Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Melanie, and today we have part two of episode 10, Cut Off Season. Um, This time, Victoria and I wanted to dive deeper into some things that we did not really expand on. Um, Maybe we touched on them, but we didn't um, elaborate or really um, discuss some of the more difficult things when it comes to cutting off relationships, including family relationships and friendships and romantic relationships and how, you know, that guilt and shame comes up, um, especially when we are really attached to loyalty. And we talked about redefining what loyalty means to us and what things we just are not, you know, taking anymore. Excuse me. And also we talked about, you know, Cutting people off in the experiences that we had, but also, you know, what experiences have we had where we've been the person that had to be cut off and kind of, you know, putting a magnifying glass on ourselves and really processing a lot of things that come up for us when we are in experiences where we have been the person that hurt other people. Um, so yeah, a lot was discussed in this episode. We were really, really a processing episode and that's what I love about, you know, my friendship with Victoria that I can have these conversations with her and share these things, um, and connect with her in a way that's not, you know, judgmental or just negative. And I love that so much. So of course I had to invite her back on to continue this conversation Y'all show us so much love on part one, so I was really excited to do part two because it seems like a lot of y'all are (laughs) in that season of just like releasing a lot of shit, including relationships. So yeah, let's get into the episode and enjoy. Hey everybody, we are back with episode 10, part two, and I, of course, brought back on my friend Victoria to have this conversation because... As I was listening back to the episode, I was like, we missed some things. There's some things I want to expand on. There are some things that I think will be beneficial for you all to hear, especially when it comes to coping with loss. Like a lot of times 
people like, okay, cut this person off, do this, do that. But it's just like, okay, how do we nurture ourselves after cutting someone off? Because that shit not easy. So we want to talk about those things as well. And also some of the guilt and the shame that comes along with coping with loss. Um, all that good stuff. So we're going to get right into the episode. Again, we have Victoria with us. So you want to say something, Victoria? Good evening. Good evening. Glad to be back. <laughs> all right. So I really want to start off with going back to family, because I believe even for myself, that can be a bigger issue, a more difficult process um, to take on when it comes to having to cut someone off that's super close to you or has been super close to you, but just things are just not working out. Things have shifted and there's this question that comes up like, okay, I'm going to cut this person off. How do I do it? And once I do this, how do I maintain this, this, um, I guess, what did you call it? Like the boundary maybe? Yeah. The boundary in also maintaining that this doesn't come back into my life, you know, Basically, for example, the person I cut off is still in my life for various reasons. And sometimes being around this person again brings up the same things that I cut them off for or created distance for. So it comes to that that kind of um, thing where I'm like, okay, what can I do to maintain this boundary? What can I do to maintain this distance? And also, how can I nurture myself when I'm triggered by certain things? Um, so yeah, I wanted to really have that discussion today. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So I think your, your question was, how do you maintain boundaries with people that you have created distance with that you can't fully cut off? Like the the leaves that are still kind of attached. Yes. Okay. And I think the first thing for me was, um, being mindful of why, you know, knowing your why in any situation is helpful. So if I don't know why I'm doing something, I have a hard time with the follow through about it. But if I can specifically state why I'm doing something and the reason for me doing it, it's a lot easier for me to follow that through. So even if that person is, you know, their family members or let's say I've known them for 10 plus years, I have to go back to what was I running from? What was I wanting to create this space for? And I remind myself, like, it's OK. You're, you're not selfish. You're doing this because of these reasons. But it is something that I constantly have to remind myself of because I was in the situation, kind of how we talked about that first time. And I was about to go back in that house. I was so close. I was outside the house looking at it. And I'm like, man, <laughs> it's been some time since I've been here. You know, it's all, it was almost nostalgic. Like you, how you don't see things for a while, but when you come back around, you think that, well, maybe this time would be different. Mm-hmm. And something in my core would not let me walk into this house. And so for me, I took that extra time and space to see if I was strong enough. I didn't want to tempt myself by, you know, I didn't want to tempt myself by asking for keys or a code to get into this house. But I just maintained my distance. I drove past the house a few times. And then eventually when I went back, you know, standing outside this house and I was ready to make a decision to go in. Nobody was home to let me in, you know, so that that said a lot when I realized that person saw how hard I was trying to avoid them. So, you know, what I'm saying? that house realized, you know what, this might be a better fit for some other family. It was sold. I was no longer able to have access to that house. And so for that reason, I don't have to drive past that house anymore. That that reminder was enough. Me standing outside, looking in and seeing, let's say somebody else happy in that house. Let me know 
it's time to let go. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what else could be going on behind closed door from the curb, that curb appeal looked nice enough to where I could keep it pushing and realize that's not for me in this season. That's not for me in this moment. So really reminding myself, like I said, and having those clear, clear reasons why sometimes you might have to write it down and journaling about those things help me to let go and be okay with letting go. Um, of certain people. Although, like I said, it's still hard. I still might visit. I still might scroll past and look on, online and, you know, check in. But mm-hmm. um, ultimately, you know, I, I really had to remind myself that I'm in a better place now than I was when I was in the situation. And so that's what keeps me focused and moving forward and, you know, staying on that, staying on that path where I set these boundaries for a reason. So I'm going to follow them. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you bring up a great point about reminding yourself of the why. And I recorded an episode um, in the conversation I had with the co-host for that day was about, you know, when it comes to routines and rituals and the things we're doing, the goals we set for ourselves and have to remind ourselves of why we're doing it so we can stay consistent or maintain consistency. And I think that's a great thing because um, for me, I know my whys and um, Sometimes you get like you get caught up in like, you know, oh, this 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 narrative, like what it was or how good it looks now. Maybe I should try it again. And I think that even if you don't remember your why, you will be reminded. You will be reminded <clears throat> by that person's actions. You will be if that person hasn't evolved, you will be reminded right away. And I think that was the case for me. Like I never not knew I haven't lost sight of like my why but in the middle of um me being around this person and like it was a good time and then as I have evolved through my journey this person has it those same things start to come back up and I was like "Mm, there you go that's my why I think when you practice letting go you start to see those things a lot sooner than later um, cause your blinders, you had time to step away and, and notice the things that you kind of contribute to this relationship and also what that person has contributed, contributed to the relationship as well. So once you had that distance and realize, okay, I understand why I did these things. And when that person comes back down the line, then it's like, okay, I can see it so much clearer now because I had this space to realize the things that were bothering me, the things that were triggering for me, the things that kind of held me back from um from moving forward so yeah and when it comes to family as well one of the biggest issues that comes up is loyalty and I wanted to talk about that and I and in listening to last episode um listening to the last episode I kind of was stumbling around the Lord's the definition of loyalty loyalty for me because I was redefining that for myself I knew that loyalty was something that I didn't hold on to as much as I used to because I had got to a point where loyalty to me was an action. It was a a action in like um, a belief or a mindset to me. Like if you're not honoring, if I'm honoring our relationship, to me, that's loyalty. If I hold this relationship in a, a certain in a certain position, a great position, and I honor this relationship by, you know, good communication, you know, nurturing each other, things like that. But here you go crossing the line so many times. Why am I still holding loyalty to to this relationship when you're not honoring our relationship? You're not honoring our connection. So that's when it's a question of like, 
this is not loyalty anymore for me and I need to move on. Um, and that's kind of where I was kind of still redefining what it was for me and why it was a little bit more easier for me to like be like, fuck loyalty. Uh, not in a bad way, <laughs> not in like, a, oh, I'm not going to ever be loyal to a loyalty doesn't mean anything to me. No, that's not it. It's just that if I'm honoring this relationship, it needs to be, you know, that for the other person as well. Because if they don't honor my relationship, what's the, what, what, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, why should I hold on to this loyalty title? Because I, I just, I could never really like wrap my head around that. And that's where like the fuck loyalty part comes in. But I love loyalty when loyalty loves me back. <laughs> mm, loyalty cannot be one-sided, say that. Yeah, so that's, I think my whole stance on it. And of course, Things change and perspectives change, but I think that's where I'm at, where I'm am right now when it comes to loyalty. I hold it up to like this super high standard, but once that is broken, I can't hold on to it because it's it's non-existent to me anymore. Um, when it comes to the matters of like my mental health and um, my livelihood. Absolutely, I completely agree with you. I want to go back to something you said was uh. No matter if you know your why not, you know, when you back in a situation that you removed yourself from, for whatever reason, you will be reminded of why you left. Mm-hmm. And that is something that brought me back to that that analogy of the house. You could throw that fresh paint on, have some drapes, but if you don't fix the foundation, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And nothing will matter because, like you said, that person is still stuck in their way. So I didn't make all this change and growth, but you're still stagnant. Therefore, when I come back to you as this new person, you're not going to recognize me. We're still going to bump heads because I'm elevating. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm moving in a different direction than you are. And I essentially am stopping myself and hindering myself by coming back to try to catch you up to where I am. Mm-hmm. When it's clear that you haven't been putting in that same amount of time and effort that I have. Mm-hmm. You keep slapping paint on the same old thing. And paint will chip. It's going to keep chipping. How about that? It's going to peel. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You haven't fixed the foundation. You can't keep painting over that crack and think it's going to stay sealed. It don't work mm-hmm. like that. You know, so that goes back to that loyalty. Like, I, I even looked up the definition. To be loyal is to, you know, be in support or allegiance. A strong feeling of support or allegiance. Mm-hmm. How can I support somebody who can't support themselves? How can I be aligned with somebody who isn't aligned with themselves? Mm-hmm. If you're not whole within you, you can't give me nothing. You have nothing to bring to the table. And so, like you said, I love loyalty too, when loyalty loves me back. But if you're not even loyal to yourself, yeah, I can't expect nothing of you. I can't trust you. You don't love yourself. You know what I'm saying? So you can't possibly give me something that you don't have. I was reminded of that recently, you know, by a good friend of mine that, you know, a person can't give you what they don't have. So if a person don't have loyalty to themselves, they can't possibly be loyal to you mm-hmm. in the way that you would be loyal to them because you're whole, you're full, and you know what you want. And that person is still finding themselves, essentially, is how I look at it. Because any relationship that I had to leave, it was because a person was stagnant and they had they didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. And even in my, you know, even on my worst days, when I we all go through that phase of who am I? What is my purpose? Even in that, I still made sure I wasn't having that spill over into other people's lives. I never wanted to be that person to hinder anybody. And I was so comfortable with releasing that people question, oh, is she really loyal because it's so easy for her to let go? No, I love you enough to let you go. I care mm-hmm. about you and want you to elevate. Don't wait on me. 
I'm going to get there. I'm going to be all right. But if you have an opportunity to elevate, who am I to hold you back? I wouldn't be loyal. That wouldn't be loyalty to me because I'm standing in your way. And I, mm-hmm. for me, loyalty, like you said, is at that high standard where I view it as I'm loyal enough to be comfortable with you winning because that's all I want to see is you mm-hmm. win, regardless of what happens, if it's a platonic friendship or a romantic relationship. If I love you and care about you and I pledge my loyalty to you, that means loyalty to see you succeed no matter what that means to me. Or I'm a part of that success or not, I want the best for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and that should be the same for that person. Yeah. Um, depending on the conversation, too, because you bring up a great point about like, well, at least hearing you talk, it's like you're redefining what loyalty is. Loyalty, I know for me, it's not this a ride or die. Like that's that's not loyalty <laughs> to me anymore. Like, like who wanna die? <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember I wrote that in one of that ebook. I was like, okay, you loyalty, you loyal, but what are you willing to die for? Because I'm not willing to die for everything. Like mm-hmm. some shit just not worth it because you decide to make a decision to do something, put everybody in jeopardy. That's not loyalty that's dishonorable like you're not honoring the relationship you're not honoring the connection you're not respecting what we have so why should I die for that (laughs) why should I I, I feel you and not necessarily like dying like you know death in in the literal sense but also you lose out on so much by doing those things where you kind of like I don't want to say fall victim to like being so loyal but just like the downfalls of showing up for someone and how it kind of backfires on you when they don't honor the relationship. Mm, so loyalty, I felt that. <laughs> so loyalty to me is not, it is not ride or die anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't think it ever, I mean, for me, I like always support someone, but I would tell you if like, yeah, you, you're wrong right now or something you need to, not even you need, but just like really expressing myself, like caring for that person means expressing myself or, you know, making sure that they're good, too, and that they're honoring themselves as well. Like, they say they want to do something, and they're going against what they're saying, like, kind of express that to that person. So, it's a whole, like, basically, all we really saying is, like, redefine what loyalty t- means to you mm-hmm. and have a conversation with that family member or that, you know, special person in your life and kind of figure out what does that mean for the both of you and not really taking on things that are not aligned with who you are today. Um, just basically being like, oh, it's, it means ride or die or loyalty to the death of me. Like, all, <laughs> all this really weird, just, yeah, <laughs> I ain't gonna get into that, <laughs> but just redefine what loyalty means for you. And, and that could be, you know, anything. It's not really cookie cutter. And if it means ride or die for you, I mean, okay, cool. But like going back to where you willing to die for, even, you know, um, process that as well and see if there's something that you actually really want. Um, so yeah, anything you think needs to be discussed about loyalty or, you know, yeah. No, I, I can, I completely agree with you. Like you said, what are you willing to die for? It is not too much I'm going to die for. However, I do have that blind spot where I'm like, I die for my family, you know, but I ain't die for everybody. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's still a line that I have to draw. Cause I'm a ride a ride. I don't want to ride or die. I got too much to do. Um, yeah. But I like the point where you said not even dying literally, but figuratively dying, dying to yourself, dying to your purpose. Like where you, 
you literally lose sight of who you are being so wrapped up in loyalty to another person. Mm-hmm. You, are, you can literally lose yourself. And I don't think people understand how serious that is. Like in a, in a world where society is already trying to dictate who you are. And then within yourself, you're already battling. Who am I? And then to have another person come and tell you who you should be. You're dead. You know what I'm saying? You're dead because you don't you don't know your purpose. You don't know which way it's out at this point. You're drowning about uh, you're drowning among thoughts of what other people think of you. You know what I'm saying? I think I wrote a poem called Identity Crisis where I talked about like it was a question I was asked. How can I know myself when people have always told me who I am? Mm-hmm. And that I think goes hand in hand because it's like, how can you say I'm saying you're being loyal to somebody and you have to do this, you have to do that, where you don't even know what your purpose is yet. You don't mm-hmm. even know who you are yet. So all of that, I think, goes head to head and it goes back to that piece we talked about, which was, you know, choosing yourself, loving yourself and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. You know, so that's all I'll say about loyalty. It's like be loyal to, to you first before mm-hmm. you start being loyal to somebody else. Yeah, like just, just don't put yourself out there yet, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even shifting the conversation was still kind of like loyalty being like the backdrop, but um, with loyalty comes, I think that's where the guilt and shame comes from when we do cut off people that are close to us, like family, um, friends, loved ones, uh, significant others, things like that. That's I think that's where guilt and shame comes in because you feel guilty about, you know, cutting a person off because whatever happened you just feel like okay if I cut this person off then who's going to help them or if I mm-hmm. cut this person off um who's going to show up the way I have shown up for them if mm-hmm. I cut this people this person off who will they have to support them it's just like is that your responsibility though <laughs> like who are you preaching, you preaching? <laughs> no for like it's just some things I, I always ask myself that's why I tell people to be curious about your beliefs and the things you really hold a strong value for because it's like is it really something that is within you that's telling yourself this or this something that's been like imposed on you or something that's been you know hammered into your head to make you feel a certain way because you're not you know showing up in a way that they want you to show up so I think that's why where shame and guilt comes from is just like people kind of um telling you oh like where you're not doing this or whatever it might be that people say, you know, to you. I don't know if you have some example of just like how people guilt trip you or shame you because you decide to move on. Oh, my own grandma to guilt trip me, girl. I oh, swear. Ooh, girl, don't you kidding <laughs> <laughs> Just this weekend, I, I let you go. go <laughs> girl. But honestly, <laughs> my first example of a guilt trip came from my grandmother. And it was Same. between two grandmothers now. I have a great grandmother who, my heart, so, you know, she's not with us anymore. And I got my grandmother, my dad's mother. <laughs> and it would be a competition between two. Are oh, you with your other grandma? Dang, ain't we all? I thought all grandmas got along. Clearly not, you know? But that was my first instance of where I felt guilty for hanging out with my grandparents because they both felt some type of way. But that was an issue that was bigger than me that I didn't even understand as a child. But as a child, all you know is I have to choose. They're making me choose. And who does my loyalty lie with? That question of loyalty comes back. And I feel guilty. And I got a lot of you about being at this grandparent house. And I got a lot Mm -hmm. of you about being at this grandparent house. I'm just a kid. I shouldn't have to worry about who I got to lie to. Right. I'm putting you in the middle. 
<laughs> y'all using me against each other. I, I thought y'all supposed to just give me cookies and love on me. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's my idea. Grandparents, that's how I look on the movies. That's what I need. I just need cookies and, and back rubs. I don't really need much. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, the, the, the next uh, piece of guilt that I remember is when, whenever, I don't know, I've always had been a person that made friends very easily, um, no matter where I went people were just naturally drawn to me. I didn't know at the time, like, you know, it was because of my energy or a vibe or whatever we call it now. I did not know that. All I knew was I made friends easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm an easygoing child. That's kind of what you're used to hearing when you're young. And so I used to make promises when I became friends with somebody that once you my friend, you stuck with me. No matter what, we always going to be friends. And I mm-hmm. made that promise and stood by that promise. And that type of loyalty had me in situations where I'm looking like, I'm finna die for this. Hold on. I don't even know if I like that person that much to die. You know what I'm saying? Like when threats became real, but I felt guilty because I promised and you never break a promise. You remember pinky promising as a kid? Yeah. And you got to do the pinky promise. You don't do it. It ain't stuck. You know, just like when you make a bitch, I got to touch fingers. You know, like it was something that was a contract almost that I was locked into. And so for me, I felt like if I didn't honor that promise, if I left this friendship, if I wasn't down to do whatever, no matter how risky it was, then I'm a liar. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what I mentioned, you know, in part one of our, our episode about feeling like my character is being attacked. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's, it's a character flaw at that point where you're somebody that's a liar. Nobody wants to be around a liar. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took all that guilt and that shame with choosing myself and stayed in so many different situations because a fear that nobody else will want damaged goods, essentially. Nobody else will want to be your friend because you've been deemed a liar. You're not loyal anymore. You wishy-washy. All you acting funny. So I had all these internalized beliefs from these outside messages that I I was getting that kind of only, you know, helped to reiterate, okay, you need to be ashamed of not being loyal. You You need to hide yourself and you need to just hang on a little longer because otherwise you're just like one of them. You, mm-hmm. you you fit into this crowd and this mode of people who nobody wanted to hang with because, oh, they disloyal. And for yes. me, I can't go from being the person that makes friends easily to no friends. Like, why would I want to be alone? But yet still trying to prove to myself, I don't need nobody. The more people left me because I kept growing. You know, like we said, if you keep growing, those leaves will fall off. And that's what was happening. But my young mind didn't have that knowledge to, you know, wrap my head around what was happening and to see that there was something that was happening for the good and not for the bad. So in that moment, it was just, it wasn't anything that was, you know, positive. It was something that I just kind of feared and and wanted to try my best to keep from happening and preventing. And so from that, I ended up with a lot of a lot of shame, a lot of sleepless nights where I was just constantly overthinking, how did I get to this place and how to make it better? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I had to cough y'all, so I had to mute myself. But um, you bring up a great point Um, when you mentioned, you know, people guilt tripping you. Um, And I also think like the um, the black and white kind of thinking like you have a right to change your mind. I think I think more often now people are kind of understanding that like I can change my mind and there are going to be consequences for that. But I don't have to stay this way because I said I was going to do this. Um, because I think people really change when it comes to like, even your example you use about being put in situations that are kind of like, 
hold up now, like this is not what I signed up for. When it comes to things like that, you have a right to change your mind because your mental health is being challenged. Your physical safety is being challenged. So why can't I change my mind when these type of situations come up? Why do I have to stay in something that is digging me into a bigger hole um, on a mental and emotional level? And that's where it gets tricky because people feel like they can't change their mind about something. Uh, they can't change their mind or redefine things for themselves or evolve. Like they have to stay the same and it's not necessarily the truth. You can still be <clears throat> you authentically in evolve from what you thought about what you think loyalty is or what you think being a good friend is or what you think being a good mom or sister or whoever it is like that that evolves all the time <clears throat> excuse me y'all my voice keeps going out but that changes all the time and that's another thing people are afraid of the change and that's what another part of that conversation I mean that kind of that um that journey or that process when it gets difficult, it gets um, challenging, challenging to think that, okay, if I cut this person off, then everything is going to change. And yeah. So, but you got to think, I remember telling the client, like, um, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last episode or not, but um, clients in substance abuse, they think about all the things they're losing or even in anything, like people think about what they're losing and not what they'll gain from certain things. So, for example, of course, losing a close loved one, a friend, a significant other is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It's going to change. But we focus so much on that. We get stuck in that to the point where we don't look at what we gain, what we will gain from this, you know, this process, what we will gain from cutting out things that are not in alignment with who we are and where we're going. So, that's kind of where I stand with that. And I kind of wanted to touch on those few emotions or experiences that we have when it comes to cutting loved ones off, um, the shame, the guilt, the loyalty, which are kind of the big ones that come up for a lot of people, um, especially in our community where we kind of like close knit and we really take loyalty to heart <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I really wanted to touch on that. But I do want to shift the conversation to how to cope with that pain those changes um and kind of grieving the relationship the the loss we experience um whether it be in death or in you know just moving on with our lives without this person Ooh, that's a great question you know as a therapist I should have an answer huh <laughs> <laughs> I mean as a person. Have, we don't have all the answers we we therapists we don't have all the answers remember like you're right we we human we human um but no I I jokingly say that because I actually had a conversation with with a friend today I have a lot of conversations uh but yeah I had a conversation with a friend today about clients in general and being afraid of change and of letting go I'm sorry no you're good You know, you tell people do not disturb and they disturb. Uh, there's family for you. Got to let them go sometimes. <laughs> 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 but no, I lost my train of thought. I had a conversation today, though. And the conversation was about, like you said, how do you cope with letting go? And what you mentioned, a big piece of it is that you get so focused on what you're losing, you don't realize what you're gaining because it's hard. All I can see is what's right in front of me. When I'm in a moment of letting somebody mm-hmm. go and I, I want change so bad, I can feel it. And I know I need it. But what's right in front of me is familiar. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and some people are so stuck in their comfort zone. They're so afraid of being uncomfortable. Even if it's for a little while, they're so afraid of that, that they rather stay in comfort. It's like, well, you know, you hear that saying, the devil I know is better than the devil I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to know no devils. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, quite frankly, I don't want to know any of them. I don't want to know them or not. No, I don't want the devil in me at all. But like this, that's a real thing, though, you know, all jokes aside, because like I've stayed in situations where it's like, well, this person may not have, you know, the ability to show up for me in a way that I would like. But on this one time of that one birthday back in 1994, they was there, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I get so stuck on the moments where people did show up, where people did show me that were worthy that I hold on to those small moments. And, and typically you would do like, OK, does the good outweigh the bad? And in comparison to other things that have been done, which is another thing you should do is compare. But when I get back into comparing, it allows me to shift it and, and keep them around a little bit longer because in comparison to something else somebody else has done, well, it's not that severe. It's not as bad as this, or it could have been worse. And so that's what makes me stay in that cycle so long. So when it comes to coping, it's like, well, I'm choosing this. They're not making me to stay. So I make it as though, it's still my choice. I'm still in control. And that allows mm-hmm. me to cope with that negative situation. But when I finally did let go, um, it was hard. It was hard. When I finally let go of some relationships that I needed to, um, the only thing that kept me focused, like I said, was going back to reminding myself of why. It wasn't a perfect thing that I did to cope. For me, I tend mm-hmm. to stay busy. So I used that free time where I would have been stuck in a cycle of, you know, arguing with that person or constantly trying to prove and beg and plead with that person I used that time to read I used that time to reach out to those people who were trying to show me that they were different Mm -hmm. I used that time to pick up a skill to cook to do something I enjoy so I I, I really maximized that free time I had because it's like well I'm not wasting time on you anymore I'm not busy trying to please you anymore let me do something for Vic Mm -hmm. and so that's what helped me to cope is filling those those spaces of time that I had, those the new time that I got back, because you don't get time back no other way. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to make time. Time is not replenishable. It's going to keep going on with or without you. So it's like either I'm staying in my feelings and I'm letting life pass me by, or I'm going to do something about it and start making the most of life. And so for me, I just chose to bury myself into doing something, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that's not always healthy. But in that case, I feel like that was what was best at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like, I was wondering if like you staying busy was avoidant or was it you um, shifting your energy? And I think you clarified it when you said that you, the time that the energy that you was putting into that relationship, you put back into yourself and to the people who were giving you that energy back, giving you what you needed and really nurturing those relationships rather than focusing on that person. So I think that's a beautiful way to to cope with a relationship is, you know, there's other people you can use that energy for. Like, this is not the only person that needs or wants your energy. Um, so I definitely feel like that's one way I have coped as well. It's going back to forming new relationships. Like, I'm not getting what I need from this relationship. So maybe I should nurture more relationships I have. Or if I don't feel like I have those relationships that I want to put any energy into, I can create that relationship with somebody else um and that's what make um 
friends so valuable to me because they the family you choose I think even going back to that like yeah family we kind of like born into them or we choose them as they say in the you know spiritual world (laughs) but um when we can go out and really find somebody that aligns with what who we are and, and what we're doing with our lives and things like that that makes it super special and we can really like create this this special bond this special this special connection um but I will say another way to cope with relationships when it comes to family, especially, or those really tough bonds, like it really becomes really hard to break those, those connections is stepping outside of yourself, stepping outside of the role you play in that person's life and also step outside or kind of visualize that person stepping outside of their role. So basically what I mean by that is, <clears throat> for example, I'm a sister. I'm a big sister. I'm a the oldest of um I'm about to anyway, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm the oldest of three. Um and when I have a conflict with someone in my family or with my siblings, I step outside of me being a sister. So I take me being a sister cuz that's only one role I play in this journey. I take that title off. And I look at my other siblings and if I have a disagreement with them, I take that title off of them and I look at them as who they are. They're no longer, I mean, they're my sister, but I look at other roles they play, other parts of their personality that are challenging my own, challenging parts of myself. And I kind of look at that as in see what doesn't align with me because I think we hold hold on so much to loyalty and things like that because we keep thinking like, well, that's my sister that's my brother, that's my mama, that's my daddy, that's my grandma. And it's like, okay, take that off, take that off. <laughs> like, who is this person? This person, what is this person um, behaviors? What is this person perspective on thing? What is challenge? What, what in them or about them is challenging you? Or um, not necessarily triggering, but what about them is just like our button heads or y'all can't come to a disagreement or it come, it's come to a place where you feel like you need to cut them off and not really relying on that role of being like the sister or them being your sister or brother or cousin, whoever it might be. And um, I think that's, for me, that's been helpful because I will rely on the fact that someone is my mom or my dad, or at least I used to, but now it's just like, no, you're my dad, but you do some messed up things. And I'm just talking about, I love my daddy, (laughs) y'all. I'm just talking about like in general, like, you know, you're my cousin, but okay, you also, you know, you are manipulative or you manipulate me or you um, put me in danger, like this other parts of your personality that just doesn't fit with me or who I am or, you know, where I'm headed. So, yeah, I don't have to hold on to the fact that you play this role in my life because that's not the only role you're playing. It's not the only, it's not the only energy you're giving me in knowing, like, where to separate to, when to step outside of yourself. I don't know if I, if y'all get it, do y'all get it? I don't know. You get it, <laughs> I, I definitely get that because I had to ask myself, like, if this person was not blood, would I hang mm-hmm. with them? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, not even <laughs> you. I was like, baby, I don't trust you. I've never gone to you. slimy, mm-hmm. you grind. Like, yes. it was bad because I'm like, if it wasn't for blood, mm-hmm. I would look twice at this person. And we I always say that too. Like yeah, if you yeah. were if you were my mama or you were my <laughs> we always be like that because it's like we so stuck on the fact that they play this role. So it's like, 
you wasn't that I would and it was like you can <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's, it's been drilled into us like from yeah. child, me anyway I know I don't know I ain't gonna say all black people but yeah most people you know who I know in my my cohort people that I hang with that same message was, you know, what happens in your house, stay in your house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Blood is thicker than water. Like, those are the two messages you get early on. And so you take that and you run with it. And it's not until you older where they were like, oh, you ungrateful. You just said, no, you toxic. Yes. <laughs> you are toxic. And I hate that I'm, I'm genetically linked to you, but you are still toxic. Whether we blood or not, you being toxic don't make me toxic, but you indeed are toxic. And I think people have a hard time hearing it when it comes from somebody who is quote unquote blood, mm-hmm. you know, but I have a lot of bonds, you know, like you were saying that where I chose my family and people that are closer than they, you know, that blood would make us no closer. We closest can be. And it's because of that their loyalty that, that that shows the reciprocity with it and them showing up for me in a way that I show up for them. It has nothing to do with our, our blood, our genetics, because at the end of the day, that's my family mm-hmm. because they actually show that's what a family is. That's a family that I would want. So I keep those people around as such. Yeah. And I remember going back to um when I mentioned like my grandmothers and this is also relevant too to this conversation we're having now because my grandmother always been someone who challenged me in a way that just never felt great. Like she, and I'm saying this because I have said this to her and that's only reason why I'm able to speak about it now. Cause if I didn't have this conversation, I wouldn't bring it up, but she challenged me in ways where like, like even when like I would, she would say things about God and like how he made you do this. Like if I hit my finger, like it, that's usually the biggest example is like, if I slam my finger, oh, God made you because you're talking back and I wasn't talking back. Like she had this, she made me think God was bad or he was punishing me for being a kid or <clears throat> just really subtle things that kind of just never really, they just really stuck out for me. And I always questioned. And as I got older, I couldn't really stand when she turned into that person. Like she go from like this really, you know, this grandmother, you know, really great person. And then there was other parts of her personality that just never, they always challenged me. And I always would get really rebellious about, especially as I got older, because I'm like, you're not about to be keep telling me these lies now. <laughs> but in saying that this weekend, um, they came, my family came down to visit and my grandmother always asked me to do her hair. And I have no problem doing my grandmother's hair or my family's hair. But if you don't know my grandma's personality, so she she asks for things when it's the wrong occasion. She kind of puts the attention on her when it's the wrong occasion, or she doesn't really consider what the situation is and asks for something. And she's like really, you know, pushing it, like do it, do it, do it. And I'm just like, we didn't come here for that. Like, this is not the place and time to do this. So she can't, she bought a wig, y'all. She bought a braided wig. I was like, cool, you got your hair done. You ain't gotta, I ain't even gotta do your hair. And then she goes, okay, I took her wig off and one of her hair rebraided. Everybody came down here to relax, to have fun, you know, to be with one another. Nobody wants to be doing hair. That's not what we came here for. Excuse me, y'all, but I'm about to cough. Hold on. <laughs>
Okay, I'm back. <laughs> but yeah, and I just, I know how she, if I don't do it, if I do say no, say no to her, she throws things in your face. She brings up things to try to make you feel guilty for not doing something for her. And that's why I rebel so much when it comes to her asking for something, even if it's something like that, especially during the wrong time or the, just a time that just, it's just not for that. So there she, 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 she asked me and she asked my cousin and she asked my mom and everybody just like, we didn't come down here. You know, everybody's really going against doing, and it's like so simple, but if you know the history, you can understand why something is, you know, little as that can be, you know, really a big thing. Um, and she like, she just kept being like, like trying to get your attention and like moving the comb and things like that. Like do my hair, do my hair is asking everybody like really being obnoxious about it. And I ignored her. I could see like her hand waving like the comb, like here, do my hair. And I, I ignored her. And I got to, I said, I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not touching your head. Like I said, I told her, and you know, in our culture, it's like, don't disrespect your elders. And I'm like, it's not disrespect. You shouldn't, people should honor your, your boundaries the same way that you honor theirs. And I feel like my boundary wasn't, boundary wasn't being honored and it's okay to speak up. You can still be respectful and speak up. And I had got to the point where I was cutting off the role of doing her hair because it was become a big issue. And as soon as I said, I'm not, I'm not touching your head. I'm not touching your head, grandma. Like I'm not doing your hair. And she was like, all this, all this stuff I ever did. Like she story, like she was at like, <laughs> and I was like, and that's why I'm not doing your hair. That's all I said. And that's why I'm not doing your hair. And you know, we went on, everything was fine. It wasn't like no beef or anything like that with my grandmother. But as she was leaving, she's like, I love you, granddaughter. You know, you want to do my hair and kiss me in the cheek, gave me a hug and left. And it's just like, that's her. And I, and I accept that, but I'm not going to accept you guilt tripping me. So that's where I cut that off. And, and when we talk about cutting off family members and people like that, it doesn't necessarily mean like cutting them out of your life. It can be cutting off parts of, the the connection that just doesn't feel right anymore me being her hairdresser is just not working I can't do that for her because it's going to trigger me and I do not want to you know go there with my grandmother so I'm going to cut that part out so that we can go on and of course there's still going to be other situations that come up where they challenge me but I know that I created that boundary with someone so close to me uh and with someone who's you know my grandmother like that's it's my grandmother. So that's hard to be like, no, because I remember a client mentioning that his mother passed away and she would always want to take pictures with him. And he'd be playful like, no, nah, mom, like, stop. I don't want to take pictures. He would all make a big you know, deal out of not taking the picture. And when she passed, he felt so guilty because like, like all she wanted ever was for me to take pictures with her. And I never wanted to do it. And that kind of got me like, damn, like my grandmother loved me doing her hair. Like she loved me putting my hands on her hair and how she feels good when she looks good and things like that. It's all she wanted. So what I feel guilty about not doing her hair. And I really was like processing it. Cause I'm like, damn, something so little is doing my grandmother's hair. Like, can I really, can I put that to the side? Can I really just, just go through with her guilt trip me and, and just do her hair, just get over it kind of thing. And I'm just like, it took, I, I was processing for a minute. Cause I'm like, man, like, should I just do it? Like I really wrestled with this thought. Like, just do it, man. It's not a big deal. Just do it. And I'm just like, nah, I can't like, cause I know, I know how much that's going to make me resent her because of her response to me and to keep that 
to maintain that boundary, to maintain my own mental health and my own, you know, love for her, I have to cut that part of our relationship off. And I know that I won't, it's other ways for me to connect with my grandmother that doesn't have to do with me doing her hair. So that's what helped me cope with cutting off something, something like that, even though it seems small, but that's a way you can cut off something with someone and still have some, you know, there's still hope for, not even hope, but there's still, you know, something you can gain from that other than the loss of like, you know, this connection with my grandmother or whatever it might be. Uh, I know that was a long-winded story, but that was so relevant to this conversation of just like when it comes to family and cutting them off and the in the shame and the guilt and the loyalty and all those things come into play um, with loved ones and, and the ones that are closest to us. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, man, I, so many different stories came to my mind and you just telling that one with romantic relationship and, you know, my mm. own grandmother. Um, I, I'll give an example of both. So my grandmother, like you said, that guilt, guiltiness about, you know, it used to be times where my grandmother just wanted a phone call. She mm-hmm. just wanted to have a conversation. And I stopped answering the phone as frequently as I did because every time I would pick up that phone, it was something negative. Mm. It was something that was just literally draining, like constantly talking about death, constantly talking about other people. And I'm lumping both of my grandmas in the same category when I'm listing these things. But I just thought about like, man, like how can you sit up every day and plan to just tear people down Mm -hmm. or just plan to tear yourself down? And it's like, as a child, I don't want to hear about death. As an adult, I don't want to hear about death nine times out of 10. But as a child, mm-hmm. I don't want to pick up the phone and hear you talk about wanting to die. Are you going to miss me when I'm dead? And like you said, that guilt trip. And it always ended in death. So, okay, since that's how you feel, I'm not answering the phone. How about that? You're going to need me before I need you. You mm-hmm. know, and, and get into that, that, like you said, that, that mode of resentment. Because I, as a child, felt like it was disrespect to set that boundary. Mm. I didn't have that. The right. (laughs) I didn't have that right. You know, how dare you? You know what I'm saying? You're a child staying in a child's Mm -hmm. place is the message I got. So how dare I speak up against something that made me uncomfortable, something that hurt me every day to hear that my grandmother wanted to die because, you know, that was a form of control. Mm -hmm. And I'd recognize that now, but in the moment, I didn't have that ability or the right to do that. I had to respect my elders. And so I, I just, like you said, I kind of just started to resent her. And then once she passed, I felt as though I was obligated to answer my other grandmother's phone calls now mm. because mm, I don't have your calls no more. That's all you wanted. So now how dare I not have these phone calls because one day I'm not going to have these phone calls. Mm-hmm. because I remember that ambiguous loss that happened first and me not being able to make that phone call, her not calling and blowing on my phone. And that's all I craved. I didn't care if it was negative. I just wanted that phone call back and now I didn't have it. So now I put myself in that, that position of, well, I, I bet I ever miss a call, but it goes back to that boundary. I'm not finna hear negativity and I'm okay with that because I know in my mind, we had good times. We had bad times, you know, everything gonna work out the way it needs to work out. But I know now that that's something I can't hold on to. I can't blame myself and I can't feel guilty for choosing not to be swarmed and and kind of clothed in that negativity daily. I don't have to do that. I don't have to subject myself to that. 
And that was the same in a romantic relationship, you know, like, yes, this is something, this is a union. This is something we're choosing. But when other people are allowed to dictate their relationship, why do I have to listen to them out of the sake of you? What about me? What about my feelings? You know, and I, and I, I get so caught up on my character not being attacked that I allow other people to dictate what I should have been doing when I had already established boundaries. Mm-hmm. So now the lines are blurred. Now the person is not taking me serious because, oh, you said no, but now you're saying yes, because I did change my mind to appease those that were feeding into this relationship. Other people are always outside, you know, adding their two cents, whether that be family, friendships, romantic relationship, it always seems to be an outside party trying to add in their two cents whether it's solicited or not. And that will always make you change your mind and, and kind of alter the way you think about things. So that's just some of the things that came up for me. And you were telling this story about having boundaries set and then having to process or wrestle with what's right and what's wrong because of outside things that have come in. Yeah, I mean, that's, <clears throat> it's tough. It's just really tough when you start the process some of that, some of that shame, some of that guilt, some of the things that kind of like were hammered in your head about, you know, even when it comes to like stay in a kid's place or, you know, you can't really challenge adults or you cannot challenge your elders or you can't challenge, you know, those important people in your family, those ones that we hold to like a really high standard, like those people are untouchable or they, you can't change your mind with those people. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a mindset shift and it's a lot of, I don't say it's, it's I mean, I don't want to be like, oh my God, this is so daunting. Like, but it's a lot of work to reprogram the way you think about things, um, to reconstruct how you view yourself, not only yourself, but like your family as well. And the behaviors that were just not the best or just, you know, kind of toxic. I know this is an overused word, but just wasn't healthy I would say that um even going back to um honoring yourself and like reconstructing how you view yourself and things like that I also wanted to talk about cutting off the relationship or cutting off past versions of yourself because this is not only about other people being cut off (laughs) it's also about cutting off or releasing the roles we play in others' lives or releasing um, parts of ourselves that are no longer needed. So I think that's another conversation that um, we didn't touch on because we have to release some shit about us too. <laughs> Ooh, that's deep. <laughs> that's deep. Yeah, we getting deep today. So <laughs> we was we were like we went deep the first episode, but we was we was silly too. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, but I that's real. That's real because man, when I tell you, I used to constantly tell people, old Vic, y'all don't want the old Vic back. Old Vic <laughs> a different Vic. You know what I'm saying? And my supervisor told me, he was like, Well, aren't they still you though? They still versions of you. So that's still Vic, you know, ain't yeah. no old Vic, new Vic, it's all Vic. It's just yeah. about your maturity level and who you choose to show up each day as. Mm-hmm. Which parts of you do you choose to hold on to, and which parts of you do you choose to let go? Yeah. And Ovik was, listen, Ovik is still in me. I ain't gonna lie. I'm a <laughs> work course. in progress. You know, like you say, it's all me at the end of the day. You know, I think about Gemini's, you know, that sign is two faced. And I, I like to think of myself <laughs> as two faces that Ovik and that new Vic both 
in agreement for once. They both are, are showing. But mm-hmm. it's the best parts of old Vic and the new parts of me that I kind of nurtured and became uh, this quote unquote new Vic. So for me, the old me has this way of reading people. I can pick up on energy and sense when something is off in a room. That part of me, of course, I want to keep. That's a good thing. That's an instinct that you don't want to let go of. Mm-hmm. New, you know, new Vic can recognize when energy should be kept or let go. Not everything that's good on the surface is meant for me. And I'm okay with it. Some things are meant for other people. But old Vic would tell you that, you know, she would think that, well, they like me. I got to like them back. Let's find something to connect to because, you know, the more people, the better. Just in case somebody got to get cut off, I still got backups. You know, that's that old Vic mentality where you keep everybody until they give you a big enough reason to let them go. And so that that's another thing that kept me in the cycle of holding on to people, although they didn't really mean much to me in the sense we didn't really have a connection. It's like, well, I know I'm good enough. Maybe they'll get there. Maybe they won't. Just in case, I won't be completely alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that old Vic, I think, fear was being alone versus this new identity, this new comfort that I have within myself, this new self-love that I've discovered, this new confidence. I don't care if I'm alone. I recharge when I'm alone. I find happiness in my lonely times. So it's not to say that when I'm alone, I'm I'm lonely, but when I'm alone, I can recognize that this is by choice. I am secure and confident in that moment and I don't need these other people. But mm-hmm. that's something that the old version of myself, that, that person who was inflexible, who was very rigid in their way of thinking, who didn't want to change, would not agree with. And so I had to let go of fear. I had to let go of constantly being so hard and so, you know, so guarded, essentially, and not allowing anybody in to get to a place where I can't accept. Like I talked about seeing the light in people. I can I can accept that into my life, because if I stayed that old version of myself wholeheartedly and didn't bend or fold or change anything, nobody would be around me. I would essentially have pushed everybody away because my way of thinking was so rigid. I didn't want to open up. I didn't want to share anything. I want you to come and put your heart on your sleeve and pour your soul out to me. And I'm not (laughs) going to tell you anything because mm -mm, I'm not losing control like that. You won't get the upper hand on me. You won't control my emotions because I've been in situations like that where I was hurt. Mm -hmm. I was let down, you know, so that made me view friendships differently. And that made me view cutting off people differently because I'm like man well maybe I should have been a little bit more this a little bit more that because there was a time where I'm like well I got two friends three on a good day I would joke (laughs) but I'm like dang like who can I really depend on you know like when you really sit back and think about if push came to shove and I had to make this phone call who can I call and I'm like it's a lot of numbers in my phone but I can't call all these people Mm -hmm. so that's what really you know helped me to get to a place where I'm like okay I gotta bend a little you know, I got to be a little bit more open-minded. Like, I'm not as open-minded as I would like to be. Like, I thought I was until it came down to sitting down and really looking in the mirror at myself and realizing, like, how much of this is within your control? How much of this is your fault? And what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. So it seemed like you had to release behaviors or old parts of yourself that wasn't open to, like, the new relationships or open to, like, expressing yourself, you know, emotionally or just being vulnerable in general. Um, I definitely was the same. I think I was, I think part, the part that I had to cut off for myself, 
um, or I had to release about the behaviors I had to release by myself is always wanting to be cool. I always wanted to be like the cool one, not like necessarily the cool one, but just like the person that people liked, that people, um, they were just like, man, Melanie, cool. Like, I like I could still like we you know we may have fallen out but she's still cool or like even with my exes I always but like, I want to be cool with all my exes because nobody else is cool with their ex everybody just be slamming their exes they be running them through the dirt like I'm gonna be the person that just be the cool one like you know, you know we we fell out whatever we ain't together but she was that was my that's still my friend and was still cool and I held on to that so much that it dug me into so many different holes <laughs> like so many different holes in my life so many so much pain because I was trying to be cool I was trying to hold on to this the cool one the friend the one that people liked and trying to be different trying to it's nothing wrong with being different and doing things differently where you can be you know on a, a nice level with exes or a nice level with people who you may not may not be in your life anymore but at the same time if you're being so like I'm going to be the one like taking on that, that, you know, all that pressure, all that, um, all that BS to be the cool one. And I had to stop doing it. I had to be, I had to stop being the person or cut out the person that wanted to be liked or cool so much that I kept quiet. And that's probably why people said I was cool because I was so quiet. Cause if I told you what I really thought, <laughs> I would, I probably wouldn't be liked. I probably wasn't the cool one anymore. So now like, um, there are moments where I still hold on to that person. So I will stay quiet if it's, um, if it's something I feel like I don't need to speak up about, like if it's something that I'm just like, that's, I'm not really bothered by anything. Then I'm like, I don't need to put my two cents in on that because that's, that's going over my head. That's not even something I'm going to put my energy into. So I don't need to put my energy into that because that's just, that's just not where I'm at. But a lot of the time when people try to challenge me because I am cool or I am likable then I have to send up for myself with my boundaries being crossed so now I'm still a cool person I'm still friendly at the same time though if I don't like something it's going to be said or if um and it's not like oh I don't like your shoe no no simple stuff like that but like if you're doing something uh not if you're doing something it just sounds like oh you're doing this to me uh, but if, if something about our connection is just, you know, off balance, it's something about us that's not working, I'm going to speak up about it because I know how much it bothers me if I don't speak up now. Like back then, it bothered me so much staying silent that it was just, it was not cool. It, it really kept me stuck in places that I, that wasn't the most healthiest. So now when I speak up, I know that I am honoring myself and setting up for myself in a way that I'm not digging myself into deeper holes or I'm not um, being stuck in places I don't want to be. So that's the the part of myself that I had to cut off. That's part of myself that I had to release so that I am healthier mentally and emotionally. Um, but yeah, any other parts of yourself you feel like you had to like cut off or release or even hold on to. I mean, because sometimes old Vic, maybe that person probably needs to come out, you know. And it's not to say, like you said, you you are still Vic, but you evolve. So it may not, you may still show up as that person, but it's in a different light now. It's a it's the same person, but it's you know how to manage the parts that you maybe 
don't <laughs> want to come out <laughs> because you know how much that might, you know, impact you or the, the people around you. Absolutely. I think uh, some of the biggest things that I hold on to are my realness. You know, I pride myself on being the realest bitch, but I call myself the realest because of the level of honesty that I'm willing to show up as. And I call it the raw, unfiltered truth. Mm-hmm. But not everybody can handle unfiltered. So I filtered the truth. I'm not lying to the person, but I, I did learn to take that part of me that I wasn't going to let go of and tailor it to the people that I'm interacting with. So mm-hmm. because I have that rapport with the person, I built that relationship. I know how to talk to you. I can't come at you any old kind of crazy way. I know what language is going to work for you to where you're going to receive it and not shut down. Mm-hmm. And so that was a part of me that I held on to, but just tailored a little bit. I had to alter that to make sure that I was staying true to me because like you said, I got myself in so many situations. I got a mouth now. I got to have a last word. My mouth is slick, <laughs> but when you talking to your parents and you 14, 15 years old with no place to stay, you might want to, you know what I'm saying? You're going to tailor that slickness a little bit. You're going to dial it back. You ain't going to mm-hmm. say the first thought. You might say that sixth thought that came to your mind, but that first thought <laughs> better not come out. And mm-hmm. so that was the part of me that I'm not apologizing because I'm not wrong, but mm-hmm. since I got to stay in the child's place, let me see how I can, you know, meet you in the middle. Yeah. And so, you know, just that's just a simple example. But that was like a real experience for me in different situations, different interactions with friends, family, whoever, elders, not elders. Um, I really had to work on tailoring a lot of that. Um, but like I said, my honesty wasn't something that I wanted to lose. And I've never been a person kind of like you. Like, I don't speak on matters that I haven't spoken to the individual directly about. That's something mm-hmm. I've always done, even as a child. So. For me, like. That's why I don't I don't really get into too many situations that drama might follow because I show up as me 110 percent every time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to show up as myself. And what you see is what you get. I don't really leave much room for guessing because I try to make sure that although I am, a, I do give different levels of depth of myself to different people. I still show up as the same person in every situation. Definitely. Yes. <clears throat> I mean. <laughs> I definitely feel you on like I'll call it more so considering someone's feelings or considering how it's going to impact the connection or impact you or you know somebody you truly love and you know want to you know be considerate of like how they may feel and I think that's something I had to learn as well because I was kind of like at one point I was considering too much of the feelings that I want to consider my own and then I had come to a point where I was considering my own feelings too much and not considering other people's feelings. So I had to kind of like get in the middle, like still honoring myself, still considering my feelings, but also the people around me, the people that I love, because that's the loyalty. I'm honoring the relationship. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I definitely feel that it's not necessarily like changing who you are, um, but taking a different approach. so that's, that's kind of how I see it. And um, I do want to get into something that's, it's not necessarily fun, <laughs> but for the last thing I really wanted to dig deeper into is, we, you know, we talked a lot about cutting people off in our lives, the people around us, and we've been the person that's been cut off. <laughs> like, let's, let's put the spotlight on us because it's not about everybody else. It's also, this is a relationship. It's, it's, you know, both ways. So have you ever been the person that has been cut off from someone's life 
or needed to be cut off because of whatever reasons. And I would love to hear that because I had to think about, I'm like, damn, like, have I ever been cut off? And I'm like, no, nah, I've never been. I'm like, oh, hold on. <laughs> well, I got to start. Why you can't start? This is the reason to thrive, right, okay. you know? I'll start, I'll, start, I'll start for real. Go ahead, switch it up. Yeah. Um, okay, so not like I said, I was thinking about have I ever been cut off or any situation where I felt like I was the person that, you know, hurt someone to the point where they felt like they had to remove distance themselves from me. And one thing stuck out is one of my old friendships. Um, there was a situation. I'm not going exactly to the situation because that's what got me in trouble the first time. <laughs> um, but I had, we had a really good bond. Like we were just, we hit off as soon as we met and we were always hanging out. And um, she started dating this guy who, and we all started hanging out and I ended up dating his friend and we all started hanging out and everything was just, it was nice. Um, and things started to get shaky in her relationship with her guy. And I, um, she had mentioned something to me that had happened that she found out and it shook me to the point where I feel like it was, it would have impacted me and also this other person I was dating so I let this person the partner I was I let this person know this information not saying the my friend's name not saying who it was but my guy was so like oh my god just tell me who it is just tell me who it is I'm just like no they they ain't the point just know this information because this is serious and you know it's not something that should be told or anything I'm just letting you know that this is what it was. But instead of me going to my friend and letting her know, like, hey, I might need to let this person know this. I know. How do you feel about me sharing this with him? Instead of me doing that, I end up sharing, you know, he ended up figuring it out. He said the person's name in. I guess my response definitely let it in. Like, OK, yes, yeah, it's, it's my friend. And he's like, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to say nothing. So fast forward, we all still hang out. Nothing's a issue, nothing's a problem. A couple of months later, my guy and my friend got into a disagreement about something and he brings up what I had mentioned to him. Mm. So, <laughs> and my friend calls me crying and she was like, did you tell so-and-so this information? And I'm not going to lie to her. I'm like, no, not, no. I'm just like, like this mother, like you told, like you could, you held this in this long. You couldn't, let that just be something, but that's me kind of like putting the blame off on him too. So when I kind of, it, it was, that was part of it. Um, even though I, like I mentioned, it was something that I felt like they needed to be said. Like my intentions of saying it wasn't to harm her. It was to protect everybody involved. So my thinking was like, well, I was doing this for you know, with good intentions, but it hurt her that I didn't have that conversation with her first or that I even mentioned it was even leading letting on that it could be my friend and she, you know she was just like she was hurt by it and it fucked me up because I'm like I had never been the person or it didn't seem like I was the person that wanted to hurt you know I never was a person that wanted to hurt people or do anything malicious because just not my in my character to do so so when that happened I just felt hella fucking guilty and ashamed and things like that and we kind of distanced ourselves but <laughs> We had also planned this trip out of the country together, just me and her. So that was still like, 
okay, should we do this? Should like how this gonna be? Like, are we still doing this? Like, even though we not in a good space, I'm pretty much kind of like cut off. You're hurt by what I've done to you. Like, is this gonna happen? The trip comes, we end up taking the trip together, and it was really weird because we I of course I apologize. I apologize to her. But of course, you still people still hold their resentment if there's something that truly hurt them. So we go on this trip in out of the country. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> And we had a great time. Like it was like old times. We like we were just like in this new country. We was, you know, flirting with men, just being women and just having fun. And it was like nothing ever happened. Um, nothing was, you know, off or anything like that. And I kind of when I remember it was one point we went to the beach together and I wanted to bring it up, but like we was having so much fun that I was like, damn, I don't want to bring this up and this, you know, ruins the moment. But of course, it's still selfish of me you know, it's still me trying to like apologize and things like that, even though she never mentioned anything on the trip. And that situation really brought up a lot of things because that's the time where I knew I had hurt someone and that what I did wasn't the best thing to do. And I had been not necessarily, I was cut off, but also I was let back in for the sake of this trip. Um, and then eventually when the trip was over, we tried to stay connected and be friends, but it was it was awkward once we got back home. So I ended up cutting it off really or just distance myself. We kind of we kind of just grew apart, basically. But that's kind of like my example of just like how I was cut off and someone let me back in and then having to cut off, you know, having to grow apart again or having to release the relationship because it was just not the same because of something I decided or I chose to do or something that I wasn't um I wasn't honoring the relationship or I don't know I want to say I wasn't honoring but I like disrespected a boundary that it may not have been discussed but I kind of I should have known better I'm gonna should but like that's kind of where the guilt comes from because like I, sh- I should have known to have that conversation but I didn't I wasn't in that space where I am now where I'm like Okay, this this conversation, this connection connection is sacred. So let me run this by this person before I even open my mouth about something. So now when someone tells me something, it's more like, let me have this conversation first if this information needs to be even put out or whatever. So so yeah, that was my long example, but it was a great example of like how I hurt someone or how I did something that impacted someone um emotionally. So yeah. Well, thank you for sharing it, ma'am. You know, thank you for being transparent because we don't know until we know. You know, yeah. sometimes you're like, well, I should have known better than I would. I have wanted this to happen to me. And, you know, yeah. we go through that thought process. But in a moment, like you said, when your intentions are pure and they're good, you kind of lose sight of those what ifs. Yeah. Because in a moment, you know, that's not your intention. And for me, I can honestly say. I have never been cut off. However, I have been the toxic person a couple of different occasions Okay, <laughs> where a person has wanted to cut me off. However, I beat them to the punch because I kind of pride myself on doing that. Matter of fact, I've been cut off one time, okay. but I don't count it. Why? And I'm you don't you count why. it. I'm going to tell you what. I'm, I'm going to give you that little, little baby example. Then I'm going to give you the real deal. So an example where I can think of I was cut off is I was broke up with. The person broke up with me because they had feelings for somebody else. But instead of just saying that, what they said instead was, you text me too much. Now, y'all, y'all don't know me, but I ain't the one to blow your phone up, okay? Out of sight is out of mind. Vic gonna be all right. So 
you know, I'm not even, no, not being cocky, y'all jokes aside, I literally texted this person, I, I kid you not, good morning and good night. I never texted them more than that. Mm-hmm. I saw them one time during the day and those two text messages. So blowing your phone up, if that's what that is, I, everybody phone get blown up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but because of that, that person said, you're doing too much, you know, this is too much for me, you a bugaboo, and they broke up with me. We was in a relationship for all of one week, which is how I said it does not count. And that person asked me to be in a relationship. I never asked for this relationship. I was good. I was minding my business. And this relationship found me. Person was cute. I liked them, whatever. Needless to say, that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, with no hard feelings on, on my end, I was just good on you because I can't trust nobody that, that lie like that. You know what I'm saying? I just can't mm-hmm. trust it. Fast forward, I'm in a different relationship. Uh, we could pick anyone, friendship or, you know, romantic, but I've never been the person that's been cut off because, like I said, I show up as me 100%. The thing that allowed me to be a toxic person, I feel like, is that although I am a communicator, although I do show my hand up front, I let you see all the cards. I don't I don't have no tricks in the deck. You see what you're being dealt. I am mature enough and aware enough to know that I can stop and prevent situations. However, if they're serving me, I will allow them to continue. And so I'm guilty of a, a manipulation. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me the toxic person because I do have the ability to manipulate a person. And because I'm such a genuine person, people are naturally going to get kind of wrapped up and attracted to, to that good side of me because I'm not a bad individual. But however, I don't like being confined. I don't like being controlled. So if I'm in a situation where I have full control, I can manipulate it in any way that I want. Mm-hmm. And therefore, situations have gone on a lot longer than they probably would have because I keep them going on. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability to stop them and save that person, but it's going to hurt that person if I stop it at any point, whether it's in the beginning, the middle, or the end. I know that I'm going to hurt that person. And so I'm in the situations where I allow the person to stay around because I don't want to be the bad guy. And I try mm-hmm. to put the ball in their court to make the hard decision that I know I should have made because they're not capable mm-hmm. because I know the type of people I attract. They tend to be people who, if I'm being honest, they, they don't really have the highest self-esteem and they've never experienced somebody like me. And so because of that, whether that be a friendship, like I said, or a romantic relationship, because I am the person's first experience at, at realness, at honesty, as somebody who seems so genuine, it makes it really hard to let go of something so appeasing. And so by nature, I probably should have been cut off, but because I knew I was working with somebody who essentially got a new toy that Mm -hmm. was so excited that they didn't have that capability, by me allowing that to continue as long as I did in different situations, I ultimately did more damage than I did good. And Mm -hmm. so for that, I do regret at times because I've been called heartless. I've been called the heartbreaker because that I knew that that person was incapable of making that hard decision, but I didn't make the hard decision either because I communicated that to you who I was. I showed up as me. So that's your fault. You don't have the inability. That's not my fault, but that's really childish of me to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. because I know better and I knew it was aware of this and I didn't try to help them a lot sooner Instead, I got what I wanted when I wanted, no matter what that was, as long as my needs were being met and I was okay. 
Um, and so now I try not to be that person, no matter how difficult a conversation, no matter how tough it is, I find myself really talking way, way more than most people would. I find myself having a lot more patience and I try to prevent situations from getting to that point. So I try to have a conversation before manipulation occurs, because although it was not intentional manipulation outside looking in, even my own parents have told me, you're manipulating this person. You know, you know, your advanced, you know, you kind of have more knowledge of this person. Why would you allow this? And so I have to be honest, like I because I know my gifts, because I know some of the skills that I have. I would be doing a, you know, a, a injustice to that person to not tell them what they get themselves into mm-hmm. and to not let them know that. Listen, although I'm going to be honest and upfront with you. By me leading you on, that's toxic. I don't want to be a misleader. So, you know, I had to be honest about that. And like I said, although it was not my intention to do any harm, I did a lot of harm over those years because I didn't want my character to be to be flawed. I didn't want to be looked at as the bad person who broke hearts in it. By me trying to prevent that, I ultimately still ended up being a heartbreaker in the eyes of those people or somebody who was manipulative. And so mm-hmm. I, I know better now. So I do better. I'm a, I'm a better communicator because of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, I think communication is, I mean, people always say key, but I think it helps to prevent or at least reduce feeling resentment. Because I feel like if you have that conversation and that person is aware or, you know, y'all come to some type of agreement, whatever it might be, then whatever you choose to do with that information, then it's on you. Um, but I feel like a lot of times conversations are not had and that's when resentment builds up and it just keeps building up. And then that's when, <laughs> and it's kind of how we get a lot of the, you know, fuck men or fuck women. And this is that because mm-hmm. people don't want to communicate. People don't want to process anything. And I wanted this, podcast to be something that's like more processing um and I, and I feel like I have touched on it but I definitely want to do a lot more where it's more conversations where we really like processing and being more curious about our behaviors and how we navigate life and the things we want to change about ourselves and the things we want to do to honor ourselves too not just like all the you know all the you know mental health things and, and stuff like that but just honoring where we are at that moment um, and being aware of, you know, what we're experiencing in those moments, especially emotionally, because I'm so tired of hearing people saying, like, I don't do emotions or like I, I avoid. I just <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, of course, I'm I'm human. So there are moments where I'm just like, I don't want to, you know, you know, I just don't want to experience something. However, I know that I have to to maintain my mental health, to maintain my emotional health my physical health, <laughs> like spiritual health, all those things. So I love having conversations. Like people say, I have a question, like girl, this boy, whoever, give me, I'll give me the question because not that I like the talk, but I just like healing. I like the process. And this is what this is all about. And I want, you know, more people or encourage more people to starting to enjoy the process because life's going to be that's going to it's going to be that up and down it's going to be the cutoffs it's going to be the connections it's going to be the love it's going to be joy it's also going to be resentment and hate and fear and shame and guilt so it's like navigating those different um processes processes and 
um, experiences so that we can continue on this journey. So, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed this conversation. It's real deep. <laughs> like, I just feel like I let even some of the things I've been thinking about, I was able to release those things, especially when it comes to like relationships. And I didn't thank everyone in the beginning, but I also want to take this time to thank everybody that supported part one of the episode. It's like number two. It's about to be number one, the most listened Woo-hoo! episode. It has like maybe two more to, two more listens to go and it'll be neck and neck with my first episode. <laughs> Get out your feelings, actually. It was episode one. It's like the top most listened or most listened episode. And it's, you know, part one of this episode is, yeah, it's coming for it. So <laughs> thanks go. everybody for the support. <laughs> And if, it seems like a lot of people out there are in this season of cutting off and or reevaluating their relationships and their connections with themselves and other people as well. So, yeah, I hope this was helpful. Anything you want to say before we leave, Victoria? I just want to clarify mm-hmm. <laughs> something you said, because you said, you know, let's start having these tough conversations. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, I had tough conversations with people. And they still chose what they chose. That's not your problem. But I made it my problem. That's why I said I called myself manipulative because I knew that they didn't have the mindset or the strength Mm -hmm. to make the decision that needed to be made. So although I was a communicator and I had those conversations, sometimes y'all, people going to do what they want to do. And Mm -hmm. that's above me now. (laughs) It really is. You know, I mean, but I, I still take I still take responsibility for my role in the situation in any way. Although it ain't my fault, I communicated, I did all the necessary stuff. So I still take responsibility because it's kind of like an adult recognizing that a child isn't capable of doing something, and and mm-hmm. it's like it shouldn't be that way. But I realized that the mindset that I had was more adult like, and the mindset that they had was more childlike. So in essentially in that power dynamic being different, I take more responsibility than I should for the simple fact that although it's not my fault or were they yet in their, their life, mm-hmm. I recognize that I was essentially not, I'm not above anybody, but I was above them in that mindset. My mindset mm-hmm. was above theirs because I had more experience and more people in my life to, to push me to that. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it all comes down to courage. And like you mentioned, like strength, because not all comes down, but that's part of it. Because that person didn't have the courage to, or even the awareness to know that they're in something that's not healthy or they're in a connection that they're in a relationship that is not for them, but they still want it. Or they, the person told them like, this is not, you know, this is not what it is, but they still decide to stay in it. I also think that even like on my my end, I had the same situation where I took responsibility of that person not showing up or um, cutting the relationship off. But I feel like going back to courage, like that person didn't have the courage to end things when they were told that this is not it. But also looking at us as the people who do have this knowledge and this awareness, but also realizing that we didn't have the courage to cut it off either. Like we still stay in it. So it's like we got to we got to take a lot of that, too. Um, uh, It's not necessarily being above or below anybody. Definitely not. It's just more so recognizing where there are similarities, where we both lack courage to do that. Mm. And that's where 
we kind of realized that we're on the same playing field. Like, <laughs> like I be telling clients, like even in when in, in the substance abuse, they are like, well, I just drink alcohol. I don't do heroin and meth and I don't do all those things. Oh, I can't believe you you let your kids get taken away. Like, oh my God, like kind of setting themselves as above the person. Yeah. But g- girl, boy, you here too. This is a this is a this is the same feel. Ain't nobody hiding you, ain't nobody lording you. Like y'all all are here for the reason which is substance abuse. You're abusing mm-hmm. substances or having addiction. So you saying that you may not care, you may not relate to your kids getting taken. You may not relate to being homeless, but you y'all share this common thing, which is substance abuse. So kind of realizing where like even for myself, just knowing where I, what role I played in this and how I have stooped to the same level as someone else um, mm. when it came to the things I've done in this relationship or whatever. And that's kind of where I've been processing a lot of things because I don't want to repeat the same stuff. I don't. Like, I'm going to be 30 this shit. Like, yeah, I'm planning my birthday already. Like, I'm so ready to celebrate. I have this vision in my head. This picture just popped in my head of me just celebrating with my friends. And it's just, it's like I can see it and we all just beautiful and having fun. I'm just like so ready to enter this new chapter in my life and also enjoying the process now. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward, but I'm really, you know, processing so much that I can release a lot of this stuff because this is not, this is not the baggage or the stuff that I want to carry. I want to have my bags packed for like, you know, the life I'm moving towards. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to have anything in that bag that's just, that's just not, that doesn't belong there. Let me put it like that. <laughs> but also realizing that I'm human and that I am going to stoop back to those levels, but knowing when I can just pick myself back up and, and keep moving. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Amen. That's all I had to say. <laughs> Amen. Um, but yeah, definitely there is no perfect way to cut off. There's no cookie cutter way to release there's no cookie cutter way to heal or anything like that uh it's just really exploring who you are and the people who surround you and asking yourself is this it is this it for me and if it's not you got some work to do so that's all I'm saying (laughs) and I'm I'm saying this too because I reminded myself like this is not no listen to me and I'm not doing no work this I'm doing the work too y'all so Thank y'all for listening again, though. I really appreciate all the support again. Um, If you would like to reach me um, or connect with me, reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at surrender, the number two, thrive, underscore. (laughs) I'm laughing at Victoria. (laughs) Um, Or email, if that's your thing, is info at surrender, the number two, thrive.com. A lot of great stuff coming up. So I'm, I'm really in the process of just like, it's not a rebrand, but it's more like figuring out the next steps for this community. And I'm just enjoying the process. So that's it, y'all. I will be here next week. Take care.